You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good morning, one and all. And that includes, of course, my uh, good pal, Charlie Dobbin. Good morning, Franklin. I'm just dancing here. It's such a gorgeous morning. Well, you know... The uh, trees are turning colors. Remember last year, we didn't get any fall color. Yeah, that's true. We went from green to brown. Boom. And none of the leaves fell off. Absolutely beautiful. I bet Uh, where you are. Well, I I, I live in the north part of Stouffville. Right in the forest there. And... uh, uh, I got up this morning. Uh, I kind of told you off air that <laughs> yeah, you know it's getting close to winter time. When you pull out your start, long underwear? Uh, no, no uh, <laughs> the little trap door there. No, uh, I uh, lifted up the little lid of the, the seat bench seat and found my winter gloves because ah. it was like four degrees. Clever. Yes, better well, than having your little fingers frozen <laughs> to the steering wheel. Yeah, you need a, a car with a heated steering wheel. Oh, that's the best. That's luxury, man. I I'll tell you. I want that someday. Well, okay. Hey, we better get the folks on the air here as far as uh, phone calls better are concerned. Better tell them how to get on the Alrighty. air. <laughs> that is the Toronto uh, phone number. Anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And, uh, yeah, our little mantra is call early, call often. One question per call because, hey, Patrolman Proctor pulls you over to the side, gives you a ticket <laughs> if you try and get that second one in. And and uh, <laughs> don't forget, if you're a first-time caller, let Sebastian, our operator, know. And uh, when you reach the airwaves, that will precede you. You're, you get your garden wings. I see? know, which is first-time very callers. special. Yeah. yeah, it's funny when you said the um, one question per caller. I did a few minutes, about 20 minutes actually, on Monday, Thanksgiving Monday, with Bob Comsick mm-hmm. uh, during the, whatever the show is, in the middle of the day. Yeah. And um, he didn't know the mantra. And so the callers oh, were like sneaking sliding in, in that car. sneaking <laughs> in another question. Oh, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And, and he didn't know. He was just like, oh, we got to go to somebody else. And I yeah. kept going, well, there is a mantra, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he didn't have the bell. And if, exactly, if Frank was here. <laughs> uh, oh, I see calls are coming in already. That's good. That's good. We'll be to those moments. Um, do you have a couple of uh, announcements? You uh, I honestly don't have a lot of announcements. Just uh, wanted to mention the Royal Botanical Gardens yep. in Burlington has now, as per the the season, on their website, has the fall color report. Now, RBG is very old botanical gardens. They have many old, very established, mature trees. And it's also a very large public gardens. So they are able to really sort of talk about some of the diversity of species. So just so you know, the percentage of color change in the RBG right now is approximately 30% uh, because it is a nature sanctuary that's between climate zones with incredible plant biodiversity. Mm-hmm. It is the perfect location to watch the seasons change. Fall colors extend into November due to the diversity of tree species and a varied landscape and microclimates because they're right down at uh, lake level. Uh, mm-hmm. Coots Bay, there's a whole, whole big marsh, plus they're up higher. Uh, and so there's, because of just those elevation differences you've got different temperatures and different plants and um they're saying right here brilliant orange leaves of sassafras and service berries 
The maples and sumacs are turning red. The walnuts and hickories are yellow. And the uniquely purple leaves of Fraxinus americana, or white ash, can also be seen. And um, hopefully that white ash will stay alive and not get infected and infested by an emerald ash borer. Maybe they're, they're likely protecting it. There are insecticides uh-huh. okay. to protect. Uh, I had mentioned just be- before we uh, go to uh, our spot break and then uh, to our callers, I'd mentioned that, of course, October 17th, uh, cannabis becomes mm-hmm. legal in uh, in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And uh, just... It's uh, all in the news. One, yes, it certainly is. <laughs> and just wondering about your thoughts on... on a, there are two ways to look at it. Those who smoke, you know, for recreation mm-hmm. purposes, To get high. Fine, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and laugh and giggle and eat a lot of potato chips. <laughs> that's it. And get the munchies. <laughs> or, uh, on the other side of things, for medicinal purposes, mm-hmm. that helps many, many people through uh, tough times with various uh, diseases or illnesses. Absolutely. And, and I know gonna... several people who use yeah. um, medical marijuana for mm-hmm. um Things like uh, cancer treatment when they're going through chemotherapy yeah. mm-hmm. uh, with cancer treatments. Um, many many people will find medical marijuana helps a lot with keeping the nausea down, keeping the anxiety down, yeah. Yeah. Uh, helping with depression. Uh, and then there's people that aren't struggling with something like cancer, but are are struggling with anxiety in general. That helps uh, that, that again. So again. Yeah. and it's it's interesting. I didn't realize this, but the dispensaries where you have a prescription and you go in to get your yeah. prescription filled, they they have many kinds of marijuana available with all different percentages of things like the C B D and the THC, etc. Mm-hmm. So so you can go in there and they'll say, so you know, are you having trouble sleeping? Are you um, depressed? Have you got menstrual cramps? You know, like oh, they'll, yeah. they'll go through all the things that could be affecting you and say, here's what we recommend recommend this you need this for that you need this for that da, 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 da. right and so when people go home and smoke or uh, ingest one way or the other these prescriptive marijuana mm-hmm. packages even, yeah yep. in whatever mm-hmm. way it's not you don't get high it's not about getting high it's about focusing if you're having trouble focusing it's about being less anxious a little uh-huh. happier a little brighter a little lighter if you're struggling with depression so there's a lot to be learned yeah well maybe next time around i don't, mm-hmm. don't want to eat up all your time uh, with this but mm-hmm. uh, we can talk about grow your own sort of stuff, what you're allowed to do and all right. that sort of thing. Yeah, which, you know? which for most people would be uh, concentrating on the THC content for the purposes of getting high. Right, okay. Um, which is the, what we're now, what we're walking into with October 17th. Yeah. All of us entitled to yes, grow some. Yes, indeed. And okay. I have many students who are very interested in that as well. I'll bet you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's slide along to our first break here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Meantime, uh, we'll be back in moments to uh, say hi to Elaine here in Toronto. On Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, we're off and running here to uh, go to our phone lines. There's Elaine right here in Toronto. Could be just around the corner. You never know. Hi, Elaine. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Excellent. What's going on at your place? Well, my Mandevilla plants, I have two of them, and they're just blooming so oh, gorgeously. Yeah. Wow. I brought them in last night because I was afraid it was too cold. Mm-hmm. Um, when do I... I went over and winter them. I have two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, when do I cut them back? Well, what you're going to find is they're in full bloom right now, and they're super happy. Put them in the brightest possible spot that you can in your home. That's a southern window. Um, 
preferably, or worst case, a western window, so you want lots of light. If you don't have that kind of bright, natural light, then I recommend a su- some supplementary lighting, so a grow light of some kind. That mm-hmm. will keep the leaves as green. As, you, so basically, you want to keep those flowers happening, those buds opening, um, the leaves on as much as possible. If the light levels drop dramatically and you just can't provide what they've been in outdoors, you're going to see the buds will start dropping, some of the leaves will turn yellow, and the plant will start to look quite sad and it'd be at that point you'll cut it back if okay. none of that happens and it looks great all winter then do some radical cutting back in March but no you... I don't have uh, I don't have a lot of uh, light right so, so I'll th- cut it back uh, when the leaves start to fall yeah. and then cut it back again in March that's right when it starts to look a little bit sad do some cutting back because what you're going to find is the current leaves are going to fall off new leaves are going to grow on the tips and it's mm-hmm. going to look really silly because it's going to be naked with these little leaves out on the tips so if it starts to turn a bit on the, the ragged looking side, bring it back, bring it in by 10, 20 percent, and then in March, right back by half. Okay, March by half. Okay. And okay. I guess it's still too cool to leave it out. I brought it in last night. Yeah, we were down, I think, to five or six degrees here yeah, in Toronto. You don't want any less than 10 degrees, these uh, tropical plants, right? Depends on the tropical. The Mandeville is, is you're right, probably was a good idea to bring it in right around now. You don't want to get too close to zero, but it was fine at six or seven or eight degrees. Yeah. Okay, okay. that's great. Thanks, hey, thanks for calling. Thank you for your wonderful help. Thank you. Okay. Our pleasure. Indeed, it is our pleasure. It Delighted is. to be with you on this. Now, well, a little more cloud out there, along with it. a lot of sunshine. But it's too. still a great day to get stuff done in the yeah. garden. I mean, yeah. I mean, it rained, so things are a bit wet. Isn't it funny in the fall too? The light is so crisp and I know because look, the wow. sky looks really gray, mm-hmm. but then the light, the sun is beaming through from somewhere, <laughs> and it's really shining off the trees. It's good. Well, I wonder what the weather is like up in Guelph. Let me check that out. Uh, Jennifer will let us know. Hi, Jennifer. Good morning. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. Good yeah. morning. The the weather is gray and. But it's bright. No, there you there go. Are. <laughs> Cloudy. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to get cloudier as the day goes on. Yeah. What's going um, on? What's my going? question is, um, my mom and I haven't been well for the last couple of years and haven't been able to get to the garden, so it's kind of overgrown. So my husband's going to clean it up, but... Should we cut the plants down now or in the spring? Well, it depends what the plants are. That's the challenge with cutting down our plants in like once a year is that we end up wishing we hadn't cut them all down on the same day. Yeah, I don't want to kill them. No, it's not just a kill thing. It's Think of the plants that flower early in the spring. For example, magnolia, uh, forsythia, um, rhododendrons and azaleas. These are even lilacs. These are plants that have actually formed their flower buds now, mm-hmm. ready to pop open next spring. So if you say, well, today's my gardening day and I'm doing all my pruning today, and you prune any of those plants now... Uh, you won't kill them. It just means that you will be cutting off where the flowers would okay. have been next spring. Okay. So the, the the cutting back I do at this time of year are the plants that are not the early spring blooming plants. It's sort of anything but that. Though I am, I tend to like to leave my grasses, the ornamental grasses standing up all winter. I leave my hydrangeas up all winter. Even the black-eyed Susans, I leave them up because the birds will take the seeds, like just like the sunflowers, that sort of thing. So if you're really, an, you know, really a mess and your husband's all 
geared up and ready to go, then just send them out there and let them go. Because, you know, <laughs> things do need, you know, pruning is a good thing and cleaning up, you know, weeds. And I was, I went out, um, I was sort of looking after the leaves on my lawn this few days ago. And I was surprised how many weeds have floated into my lawn in the last month that weren't there. So it's, you know, nice moist soil, spent a half an hour digging out dandelions and chickweed and that sort of thing. Just to clean it up now and nice moist soil, everything came up really well. Hey, that's good. Yeah, yeah. so okay. it's a good day for that is for, for any kind of weeding or clearing of debris. Okay, thank you. You're thank welcome. Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah, take care of the folks in Guelph for us there. Um, when we are going to the break, which we'll do momentarily, let me just, as we say goodbye to it, Jennifer, that leaves not only one line open, but two lines mm. are open right now. So if you want to reach Charlie in Toronto, call 416-360-0740, and then anywhere in the uh, province, toll-free, one 740 Four seven forty. You are listening to the Garden Show. It's uh, Charlie Dobbins, baby, and, uh, <laughs> and giving... I'm with my good buddy Franklin yeah. Proctor. Yes, indeed, and uh, we'll be back and to take your calls. And our other good buddy Sebastian, who's uh, taking yes. your calls. Yes, he's handling all the technical stuff. Thank goodness for that. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, I think we're going to... Uh Let's see. Now. I know. I was distracting <laughs> we had a us. Rooney on the call board here. I think it's Elaine in Uxbridge who is next with us. Good morning, Elaine. Hello, Elaine. Oh, and Elaine's a first-time caller. Did oh, you wait. That? Oh, goodness. She's Christ. probably waiting. Good Hello. morning. <laughs> Welcome. We Hi, Elaine. Hi. Go right ahead. Yeah. Good morning. Uh, morning. I have a hydrangea bush yeah. in my garden. It's kind of under the east traffic. I think it's a little bit shaded, but I planted it beside Evergreen because I read on it where it needs the um, acid. The, the acid, <clears throat> yeah. But it's been about maybe seven, eight years now, and oh. it, every year it gets bigger and bigger, but all leaves and big leaves and growing, and never one year it bloomed uh, one flower. Mm-hmm. One year. And somebody says to me, don't cut it back. So I always cut it back in the late fall, and then in the spring, I take the cover off of it. Last year, I didn't cut it back, mm-hmm. but it just came up again, and, you know, it still didn't bear any flowers this year. Do you have any idea what the name of that hydrangea is? I assume you planted it, you said, about seven or eight years ago? Yes, I planted it, and it's planted beside another hydrangea that grows like a tree. Uh-huh. The, the other hydrangea yeah. grows like a great big tree, and that bears beautiful big white flowers, mm-hmm. and now the flowers are pink mm. and a cone shape. Right. This so you, one was a round flower yes. when I bought it, and the, two years ago when it bare of flowers, it was round. Do you, um, does the name Endless Summer ring a bell? I think so, probably, yes. Because seven or eight years ago, the Endless Summer hydrangeas were still pretty new in the market and were quite well marketed for the purposes of the fact that they would Guaranteed bloom every year. The, the challenge is, is that the really old hydrangeas from oh, 20 years and more ago um, only bloomed on 
growth that grew last year. So, for example, that and that's why people would say to you, don't cut your hydrangea back. Yeah. Let it be right from now. Do not cut it back. In the spring, do not cut it back. And hopefully... It will have set some blooms on some of the growth from 2018. Oh. You'll see those blooms in summer of 19. But if you have something called endless summer, you should get buds and blooms on both wood from this year, next summer, but also new growth is supposed to have set buds. However, this is the most commonly asked question on the radio show is, the garden show is, how come my hydrangea doesn't bloom? Yeah. And I'm sorry to say it, there is no really right answer to that. It, I would certainly consider threatening it, let it know <laughs> that it's, you know, you're not happy with it being a maybe, green plant. Maybe my, I should move it, maybe it's too shaded? No, it, it should bloom as long as it's getting... Well, honestly, four hours of direct sunlight a day should be adequate for blooming. And it yet, does get that. Yep, yeah, and yet you'll see that some in more sun, <clears throat> some in less sun will suddenly bloom, and other times they won't. There's no rhyme or reason to any of it. Mm. Avoid fertilizer. Do not oh, fertilize. Oh, we keep putting fertilizer every year. The one that make the tr- the flowers go uh, purple. Mm-hmm. So the one beside it, the tree you're talking about. See, that's called a PG hydrangea, and that actually likes lots of sun. So yeah. it blooms best when it's you know six plus hours of sun yeah, every day. Yeah, that's like a tree. That's yeah. really beautiful. And they're very, very uh, consistent bloomers. We yeah. we love them. As you say, they turn pink as it gets cooler. Yeah. Uh, but they bloom later as well. Yeah. The round blooms that you're waiting for yeah. should have. Uh, arrive back in July rather than in August. So, um, yes, like I said, I wish I had a good answer for you. It's Aww. it's one of the, I do cut all mine back in the spring. I leave them all winter, let them you know do their thing all winter. In the spring, cut back to green growth. So you'll see when they start to grow, whether it's April or May, where the green is. And you cut off everything brown, go down to the green. Talk to the plant, let it know without blooms. Its time is limited in the garden uh, because there's just no room for plants. Plants are just big and green. You want more than that. So, you know, have a, have a good chat with the plant. Do not crank any fertilizer on it whatsoever and see what happens. Okay. And call me next next, next October. Thank <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thank, Elaine. Thank you, Elaine. I know. I hope that was useful. Yeah, a little, well, uh, wrapped up uh, maybe with one sentence, a little tough love needed. Yeah, hmm? yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All righty. Uh, Karen in Mississauga is next in the line here. Good morning, Karen. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. I'm in the car driving. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. So, anyway, uh, I have an elephant lily um, plant. Mm-hmm. Elephant leaf lily. Yep. And it used to be very healthy and and throwing out flowers and and leaves. And it's it's gotten very sad. And I think it's scale. I've had scale on the other plants that I've lost. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to do with it. Okay, so wait. Is this an... You have this as an indoor plant? It's an indoor plant, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so I'm a little confused. Okay, and you refer to it as elephant ear? Elephant leaf. Elephant ear leaf. It's the big, big leaves with yeah. the uh, lily-like plant. Yeah, and normally we grow that outside in the summer and it goes dormant for the winter. Okay, hold on. I'm finding it here as an indoor plant. <clears throat> yeah, normally I think of this as a plant that we keep outdoors all summer and then let it uh, sleep for the winter. So Last year, I remember in November, it was very healthy, and it actually threw out a flower in late November. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can be grown, well, do you see scale when you say you think it might be scale? Yes. 
Okay. Okay. So here's what you got to do. Um, well, two things. One is, can you pick off the scale? Scale is a is a hard shelled insect, yes. and yes. it's quite obvious. It's a bump on the leaves and the stems. Can you sit there with your thumbnails and pick them all off? Because that would be a start. Uh, and what I would do, but you're going to have to do that, check the plant every day because they're going to emerge from little cracks and crannies. They're going to crawl up out of, because you won't be able to get them all. They're going to be down where you can't get them. Little devils. Yeah. And there's really no insecticide that's going to kill them. Um, it's That's the challenge. That shell that they grow mm. is a protection from any sprays. Um, and of course... Yeah, they've had it in other plants, and so I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing because it seems to be going from plant to plant. I've lost a few plants this year. Right. Well, that's that. They move very, very slowly. So if if it's moving from plant to plant, it's moving on a pet or people that are at one plant and moving to another plant or the plants are really close together. So you got to be aware of that. This definitely, if you suspect an infestation of any kind on any plant, isolate it from the others. Um, and, and keep in mind, you could just take that plant outside now, leave it outside until it gets a light frost, which will kill all the, the foliage. And then... Uh, once the frost has dropped the foliage to the ground, put it someplace like the garage to let the soil dry down, let the foliage dry down, clean up the foliage out of the pot, and then put it somewhere for the winter that is frost-free, and it'll be dormant for the winter. Scale will not survive. Oh, okay. Okay, so you can always force it, like, force it to go dormant by putting it outside to, to, for the cool. But, of course, you can't leave it out all winter or the whole plant will die. It is a tropical. That's what I would do. It's going to be really hard to kill scale. And any other plants you suspect, isolate and then think about dormant spray, like a dormant oil can work, as even a soap can work, um, sprayed consistently and being really, really careful to spray thoroughly. Okay? Okay. All righty. Good luck with that. That's that's a challenge, for sure. Scale is always a challenge. paying attention while you're driving. (laughs) That's right. Taking notes while you're driving. But you can always go back and listen to the podcast. Exactly. We are podcast. And you don't need an iPod to listen to a podcast. You just need a computer. There you are. AM 740 podcasts. And then search out the date you want. That's right. Usually, uh, I think it takes a a couple of days. Yeah. By Wednesday. We we should be up and running. But there's 10 years plus. Yeah. Archive. That's a lot of podcasts. Good heavens. That's like 500. Oh, you could, yeah. You could, you could really enjoy the garden. Show. Yeah, I might Overdose. have to go back and listen to some of the stuff we did years ago. Okay. Uh, Barb in Aiton is on the line with us right now. Good morning, Barb. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Um, I was just wondering if you, um, I was going to try to save some geranium. Mm-hmm. And uh, what would you suggest? Well,. I would suggest the easiest way to say, are they in the ground or in pots? Um, in pots. Okay, that makes it even easier. I personally, do you have a, a bright, sunny windowsill somewhere in your house? Not really, no. <laughs> what have you got? Have you got a western-facing window? or? Um, yeah. For me, the easiest way to overwinter geraniums is to keep them growing as houseplants. So it's really just a matter of taking the pots that you've got right now, clean up the plants, remove any debris from the soil, remove any yellow leaves, give them a soap and water wash, drain drain them out on the patio today, bring them in tonight, and put them in the sunniest spot you've got. But if you can't do that and you say, no, 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 there's no room in my house for these massive geraniums, you can take cuttings from them. 
and mm-hmm. start new little plants from cuttings. Okay. And uh, that's, you know, tip cuttings, so two to three inch stem cuttings from the tips. Uh-huh. Remove the flowers, keep the green stems, remove lower leaves, and where the little bumps are on the stems, where the leaves were, is where roots will, uh, will emerge if you provide those um, stems with a moist environment. So some people will root geraniums in just a glass of water, uh, but you could also use moist sand, moist potting soil, anything like that, and you will get roots eventually. It'll take a few weeks. Uh, and then you'll just start with smaller plants, but you'll have them ready to go for next spring. Okay, now somebody told me that you could um, um, cut them back and and just put them upside down in a paper bag and, and just mist the roots once in a while? Um, you can do that if you have the following conditions. You need a dark, cool, reasonably humid location to do that. Oh. Which is like the old root cellars yeah. that of, of days gone by. Yeah. My basement is well heated and extremely dry with a furnace blowing hot air all the time. So oh, it okay. would be not optimal to try and keep geraniums alive. Like, see the whole thing about going keeping a plant like that idea, the paper bag upside down, removing from the pot is putting them into dormancy, a semi dormancy, but it's relative humidity and darkness and coolness that will keep them alive. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, congratulations, Barb. You managed to sneak in another question there. <laughs> well, no, it's a, it's a good one. We it's do get connected. this every yeah. fall, the whole, <laughs> well, how do I keep my geraniums? Yeah. Honestly, the easiest way, if you've, everything's heated, is keep them alive as a house plant. All righty. Uh, you see me uh, reaching toward the uh, bell here? I, oh, my Try, God. Your yeah. arm's getting some, some working out today. Just a second. All righty. Hey, that's Rosina right here in Toronto. Hi, Zena. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show. Yeah, I listen to you, but I don't always catch everything you guys offer on the t- on the radio. Uh, we've been in the house for over fifty years. We're a corner lot. We have a city tree on the north east corner of our side of our house, and this year that particular spot has been infested with mushrooms. Should I let them keep growing, or is there something? Should I just knock them all down? Uh, okay, we've so we've never had them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Something's decaying there then. Cor- yeah. two, or th- two or three different kinds. So, how does the tree look? Oh, it, it looks healthy. It's a maple tree. It, it, uh, it looks healthy. Yeah, so nothing, nothing no, obviously nothing going on there. No, no, nothing. So, yeah, I mean, Frank just hit the nail on the head there. When you see mushrooms growing out of the ground, mm-hmm. you know that there's something organic under the ground is decaying. And it's the mushrooms that are decomposing whatever that organic is. If you hadn't been there for 50 years, I'd say, well, you know, there could be some old, you know, building debris that was buried when the house was built, or there was a tree there that's now moved on and the roots are decaying. But you've obviously got that perspective of 50 years, and you would know, has there been any um, tree removed from the area around that city tree? Uh, maybe a block away, there was a tree taken down about a week or two ago. Yeah, it's too far. But nothing I'd right immediately close to us. Yeah, it would have to be something within, you know, 100 feet or so in order to see those mushrooms growing. No, it's a little bit more than that where, you know, the uh, storm took it down. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's a bit challenging. Um, 
So, okay, what the mush? So, when you see the mushrooms above ground, those are actually the fruiting, the fruiting part of the mushrooms. So, it comes up like a little knob, and early, early before the sun rises, and then the sun comes up, and then it opens that little, into like a toadstool into the little umbrella, and spores that we can't see come out of that little umbrella toadstool to start more fungus. The real meat of the matter is all happening underground, and it's all little filaments that are doing their job of of chowing down on organic material. And so I find it, that, yeah, I find it interesting. I mean, and there's, when, they, when I first noticed it, there was, um, uh, there's about three different kinds. Mm-hmm. They actually grew, grew like a fairy ring. They were very small, mm-hmm. and they grew right like a fairy ring. And the ones that came up after, or they're still coming up, are the big flat ones. Right. Yeah, so you the see... The others were like a fairy ring. It looked, it looked kind of, you know, different. Okay, well, there actually is a turf disease that does very much grow like a fairy ring. Um, you, have, what was, you have lawn, I assume, growing in the area of this tree? Uh, sorry, what was that? Do you have lawn grass growing around the tree where you're seeing the mushrooms? They're coming up through the lawn, right? Yes. Have, when was the last time you fertilized your lawn? Well, uh, we have um, a company that does that for us regularly. Okay. So they were here just, um, I guess, a week or so ago. Did you guys... it gets done every, whatever the time schedule is. Okay. Did you ask these turf care people about the mushrooms in the lawn? I asked one young lad, but um, I think he was clueless. Right. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Um, Okay, so... Um, all right, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to suggest, but you're already doing that. You're already fertilizing. Because fertilizer is one of the best ways to get the, the grass can outgrow the mushrooms. Mm-hmm. But should you remove them? Yes. If you don't remove them, they're all just going to turn into a slimy mass on the lawn and actually kill the grass. Mm-hmm. So for sure, just go out with your, your foot or a stick or a golf, golf club, club and yeah. Yeah, knock the heads off the mushrooms. Because uh, it is good to just keep those moving. Could some can Construction have been done in your area? Could there have been no. trucks parked nope, near that nothing. tree? Mm-hmm. I'm nothing. thinking about soil compaction around the mm-hmm. roots of the tree and some roots. See, I'm thinking that some roots have died on the tree and the mushrooms are growing on dead roots. So the mm-hmm. tree looks fine. So the other nope. thing, okay, you know what? Leave this with me. I'm going to report back your next best. You might, I might suggest that calling the city, the uh, Urban Forestry Department in the city of Toronto to come and inspect the tree because okay. you would hate to, like, just because the tree looks fine doesn't mean it is fine. Trees suffer mm-hmm. silently for many, many years years before we really often see the damage that's going on. So yeah, good, That's a good point. I'm going yeah. to uh, just give you um, a better thing than what I'm telling you right now. Right away, though, fertilizer is a good thing to do. And, um, and, and keep listening, Zena, whether I can fit it in today or start the show next week with your next best steps. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Zena, for joining Bye. us. And hey, you're going to be with us next week too. That's good. <laughs> that's a way to salt the uh, audience, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Tune in next week for the continuing story of the mushrooms. We should do that with everybody. Okay. So yeah, you have to listen next week yeah. for that. Yeah. No, next week we'll look yeah, after that's that. That's right. <laughs> you got it. Uh, we have to take a little break here uh, on the Garden Show. A uh, reminder of the phone numbers in Toronto: call four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and in the province and time. Province toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Back in a moment to say hi to Isabel in Milton. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin 
exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And just before we uh, zip to our next caller, uh, you have been doing some heavy-duty research there, Charlie. I know. There's no rest for the wicked. <laughs> you must have been a bad kid. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I might have even been reincarnated from somebody horrible, for all I know. Uh, okay, Zena. I know I told you you could listen for next week, but I'm on this. You gave The giveaway was you used the term fairy ring. So, Zena, if you have access to a computer, I recommend you Google fairy ring in lawn, and you're going to come up with all kinds of great uh, images and information. So, mushrooms that develop in a ring in the lawn are called fairy rings. No surprise. The mushrooms are fruiting bodies, as I suggested. The organic matter fairy rings break down is often old tree stumps, roots, logs, lumber, and other larger pieces of organic material in the soil below the lawn. Now, I know you said you've lived there for 50 years, and it's like, well, why would it take 50 years for this to show mm-hmm. up? It could be that um, something is going on in that soil. So here are the suggested treatments, and this is what I would pass to my lawn care professionals. Emphasis on the word professional. Remove excess thatch and aerate compacted soil. So thatch is the dead grass that grows on the certain doesn't grow, that falls on the surface and stops the penetration of moisture into the soil below. Thatch, you know you've got thatch on your lawn if it's quite spongy. There are dethatching rakes for removing thatch, opening up the pore spaces, allowing moisture and nutrient to get down. Same with aerating. Aerating is where we pull little plugs of soil up out of our lawns. Again, opening up pore spaces, allowing moisture and nutrient to penetrate. So get them to dethatch, get them to, it's called core aerate, C-O-R-E aerate, um, keeping your lawns well watered during a drought situation while we're past that. But we did have some good hot, dry weather this Mm -hmm. summer, so I hope your lawns didn't suffer from lack of water. Encourage beneficial soil microbes by top dressing with a humus builder, such as a well-aged manure or finished compost. So get some triple mix onto the lawn. Get your lawn care people to top dress your lawn with some high in organic matter top dressing. So it could be a <clears throat> lawn soil. It could be I <clears throat> generally don't put composted manure on lawns because it's a bit sticky, but triple mix is great uh, and get that happening. You just got to do everything in your power to make sure the tree and the lawn are healthy and the mushrooms will not be nearly as big of a problem. Wow. You'll never really get rid of them, but they're, until yeah. whatever they're working on is gone, those mushrooms will be there. Okay. Some pretty heavy-duty research in a short period of time there. <laughs> My gosh. Uh, Isabel, good morning. Welcome to the show from Milton, Ontario. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have... I bought two perennial hibiscus plants mm-hmm. this year. They're still blooming, nice. actually. But I would like to know what to do to keep them over the winter. Well, you've got them in the ground? Yes. Good. Uh, you're in Milton. Um, those hibiscus are, as I recall, they're about his own, maybe his own six, maybe his own five plants. So they're slightly tender, depending on where you live in Milton. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would do is, obviously, frost will knock them down. Right. Make sure you've got some little stakes in the ground close to them, because they're, they're very slow to emerge in the spring, and we tend to think they're dead. Okay. So put a couple little just stakes or sticks or some markers so you'll know where they are and you'll know to not step there in the spring. Mm-hmm. Give them a chance. Mm-hmm. Once they have been knocked down by frost, I would uh, pile some leaves 
uh, maybe a little bit of soil, some peat moss, whatever you've got kicking around, just in little mounds over the crown of the plants, but mm-hmm. make sure they've been well frosted and are, like I said, dropped down and mm-hmm. disappeared. They are what we call a herbaceous perennial, so the root should survive. And depending, I think we're going to have a mild winter, as long as we okay. don't get you know really cold with no snow, that they should live no problem. And that's where that little mound of leaves or soil will help if it does get very cold and we don't have snow, just to do a little bit of insulating to keep those plants, keep the root alive. Well, do I cut them down, though? Uh, after frost has caused them to turn to mush, I would, yep. Okay. okay. I didn't know what to do with them. Cause yeah. I, I like, they're still blooming of right course. now. Of course. Yeah, no, they're pretty good. They'll keep going until it gets quite a bit colder. Oh, will they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I've got roses blooming like crazy in my place, too. So, yeah. Oh, we do, too. We yeah. haven't had the cold yet. It's, it's got, you know, single digits, but we're not we're not close to zero. Yeah. The Lucky us. Are doing well still. So. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to lose them. No, so I no. I want to call and ask what it's going, what I to do with them, but thank you very much. You're very welcome. That. Yeah, okay, the first Bill. year, there's always kind of the one to be the most TLC with them, you know, really baby them a bit this first winter. Thanks a lot. Okay, and that uh, that call takes us to our next break here as you're listening to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin and Frank Proctor. Nice to have you with us here on this Saturday morning. Back in moments. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, we've had a chance to say hi to some new callers this morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's a caller that has been on the show many times. Siva, here in Toronto. Good morning, Siva. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Charlie, Mm -hmm. I heard this lady on TVO with Steve Pick and Helena saying that we cannot pick apples and so from a public park. She said it was illegal. Hmm. And I, mean, I always climb the tree and take them. They're so big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so these are crab apples or apple apples? Well, she said we can't pick fruits from a public park. Well, so techni- they were talking about apples, different yeah. crab and apples. Yeah, so. technically, I believe that's correct because yeah. public parks, you shouldn't be climbing the trees, number one, <laughs> because you could damage them. And number two, they're, it's not private property, it's public property. Well. So I guess it's all about permission. And I think it'd oh. be hard to get permission to pick those apples. Okay. So you just stand below, wait till they fall into your hand, and then you yeah. didn't pick it, right? Yeah, but these trees have all some that are like big Granny Smith. Yeah. I couldn't refuse them. I, I, I hear you. Hmm. I, I got like two bags, and I, last year I made apple crumble at Christmas. So, oh, nice. oh, wow. You know? So, and are you in North York? Is that where the, those I'm apples? I'm in the Eglinton Flats area. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, so they have some beautiful trees. In the parks, which is, yeah, and they're, old, they're probably well, old trees. It's a shame to let them go to Exactly. I mean, really, because yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. just thinking. I know, like Shepherd and Young mm-hmm. area, there was an orchard, and so what they've done is they've left some of the apples from that orchard yeah. and incorporated them into a park. Yeah. So sure enough, you've got real bearing apple trees. Yeah. Now they're so old; they're they're really, really diseased trees. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's one of those. It's a. I think well, technically I, it is against the law, though. Okay. Well, I guess <laughs> I'll have to hide and continue doing it. <laughs> doing right. the dark with you, a, you little <laughs> criminal, you. <laughs> 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 thanks, for sure. thanks for calling in, Ziva. Okay, thank you, guys. Always, thanks for always letting nice us. to be in touch with the yard birds there. That's <laughs> true. It's always nice to know what's going on. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, um, New Hamburg, uh, right around the uh, Kitchener-Waterloo area, right? Uh, Anita is on the line. Good morning, Anita. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Excellent. Good. What's Go going ahead. on at your place? 
Okay, I have. Um, I want to tidy up my um, pyramid cedars. They're really fat, and they're quite tall. They're about seven feet, and they're overtaking my house. So I, want, <laughs> I wondered if I could really give it a massive trimming, like cut down at least two and a half feet and uh, bring it in uh, at least eight inches. You can, but this would not be the optimal time to do it. Oh, that's what I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, you see, the reason why is if you do that kind of radical trimming right now, and it's still right. quite mild, and we haven't really, the plants, evergreens are never truly dormant, right. what'll happen is uh, you will be encouraging new growth, and mm-hmm. it is October. So the right. last thing you want, like the plants are naturally slowing down and hunkering down for winter, you start doing some radical trimming on an evergreen now, it will respond by poking out a bunch of new growth and that new growth is likely to get frosted and die in the winter okay yeah so i did have a chap was going to come and do that for me and i was wondering yeah. I, maybe it's the wrong time so you think more in the spring to this when we usually will do radical trimming on any of the evergreens is when they're they're um, actively growing so okay. your active growth is quite obvious on a cedar because you'll see it's bright bright green tips and that's right. um, in your area might be april it might be may more likely even you know late may early june so it's all just dependent on the kind of spring we're having but you can be quite radical with cedars you can you know narrow uh, top top them make sure Mm -hmm. whoever's doing the work for you doesn't leave a flat top on top of the cedar hedge right because that will collect snow so Uh, exactly so make sure that there's a bit of a a, an arch or a peak on the top also ensure that it's narrower the hedge is narrower at the top and wider at the bottom and not the other way around okay that's good terrific all right thanks for your call anita thank you so much (laughs) thank you uh, we maybe have time for uh, one of your emails, if we... Yeah, I think we do. I oh. think we do. Um, um, well, I have lots of emails. Alrighty. Where shall I start? I guess... I don't know. The oldest uh, or the newest? Yeah. You don't know. Okay, well, here's kind of a, an interesting one, uh, if Steve is listening. I think Steve had called into the show, and he was looking for Rose of Sharon, and remember, it was like, oh, if anybody yeah. wanted to donate Rose of Sharon, That's he would right. happily take yeah. it. Um, so what happened was some various people donated all kinds of stuff to him, but nobody donated Rose of Sharon. So he's still hoping that somebody might have uh, some Rose of Sharon. He's in the Burnham Thorpe and Mississauga Road area. His email is ajstevens326 at gmail.com. So that was just an aside, but it's kind of a cute story. He was growing in a, in a pot, a squash that came up from a seed in the compost, I guess. You know, that happens. I get tomatoes coming up. I get mangoes growing in my compost. Um, and he was pretty excited about actually harvesting that yep. squash for his Thanksgiving dinner. And suddenly it went missing just before Thanksgiving. So he thinks it probably was a squirrel that took it. And he's, you know, mad at the squirrels. But nevertheless, he just wanted to share that, um, you know, um, that that's, that happened and he was, you know, mad. But uh, putting the herb garden to bed. So, uh, Steve, of course, parsley is um, an annual. Rosemary is a very tender perennial we treat as an annual. But sage and thyme, which he also mentioned, are perennials. So your sage and thyme are going to survive the winter without any special care. You should, of course, recognize that your parsley and your rosemary 
they're going to die. So dig them up, pot them up, bring them in, or trim them all down and dry up what you, dry down what you've trimmed and enjoy it all winter. Yeah. Uh, you know, our location here at 70 Jefferson Avenue in Toronto, very popular spot today. Uh, there's going to be a special uh, display, a, a new show on at the uh, Moses Nimer uh, Television Museum, which is located mm. within our complex here. And it's uh, Philo Farnsworth uh, display, his um, contribution to the world of, of television. Yeah, he was the, the inventor, history. I think. Yeah, so it's it's going to be very interesting. That's on from 11 to 4. Oh, oh it's open to the public. Open yeah. to the public. Very cool museum. Yeah. If you're yeah, in the area, definitely fabulous. come and check it out. Okay. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Charlie. Couldn't do any of this without you. And thank you, Sebastian. And our callers are the best. <clears throat> See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.